0: Okay, welcome to another week on Indie Live Radio. And I feel though it's a kind of like Scotland theme this week because tonight, um, well, uh, tonight it's a Scotland rugby game It was cancelled uh, against France. We'll speak about that in a wee minute. Um, speak about the women's rugby team as well. Scotland is in uh, international rugby. And also Matthew Begus, uh watched the game tonight at Hamden again in front of an empty ski and uh, an empty stadium. Scotland to two Austria too.
1: Yeah, it's funny we could we could get used to these Thursday night games straight after straight after going straight on the radio. Um, could get used to this. So it's quite interesting because I was telling you off air. Um, you know my my daughter was watching the game with me tonight and. You know, she was. She watched the first half, and then she watched it. Obviously, when Scotland went behind twice, and she made up a song, and it went along the lines of, "We used to live in Scotland, but we and we always lose at football." And I thought that was quite accurate for my young girl. <laughs> yeah, uh, for You've a lot. Got of, a because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I thought I thought that I summed it up perfectly, you know. And then when Scotland scored, she went, "Oh, I have to change my song." And then within, you know, <laughs> nine minutes we were, we were behind again and she was like, oh no, I'll just keep that line um You know, because Scotland, even though, I think even though we've qualified for the Euros and things were looking up after that game yeah, When we did qualify, our record hasn't been great since that, we're not winning games still, uh, we're losing games sometimes that we should win um, so it's, it's a funny sort of time to be a Scotland fan, everybody should be excited about going to the Euros, most of us aren't going to get a chance to go now because of Covid still um, <laughs> and we're not and we're not winning games and tonight was another one of those games really because coming into this, Austria and Denmark are obviously the favourites for the group, so I thought, you know, coming into the game, you know, a draw wouldn't be a horrible result and looking back in it, I don't really think it is the horrible result, um, especially the way it it panned out. You know, the first half was okay. I think they were kind of, you know, feeling each other up a little bit. You know, they were trying to get the measure of each other. You know, Austria had a lot of the possession, they had a lot of the possession all night. Um, and they did create one or two chances, but so did Scotland in that first half. You know, there, there wasn't any clear cut chances, but the Scotland did have a few chances, a few shots on goal um, And I thought 0-0 really was a fair reflection of the first half Uh, No punches thrown, um, as they say I thought the second half was a lot better Um, I I actually enjoyed the second half looking at that Um, Scotland started off okay um, But I thought Austria were slowly coming back into the game slowly but surely, um, and five minutes before Austria did take the lead, I thought, oh, it's looking a bit ropey here because Austria are starting to carve open Scotland a little bit. And when they took the lead to make it 1-0, it was just one of those unfortunate goals. You know, Austria Austria had a shot at goal, Marshall parried it, but because it took a sort of funny bounce just before the keeper got a chance to, he could only really parry it straight back into the danger area, and Austria took the lead on the 55th minute. And we all wondered really what Scotland was going to appear now. I don't know about you, but my heart sank. I just thought, oh, here we go. Business as I usual. Austria have taken the lead. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what I thought. But I thought Scotland then came back into the game it's strange enough. I thought Scotland's best period of the game actually came after Austria took the lead. Yeah. Um I thought I thought it was a definite penalty from Christie I thought just after that first goal um the ball came in the box the defender was all over him I don't know what you thought of it but I thought it was almost on the realms of a rugby tackle yeah um, that Christie yeah. had to put up, with, you know <laughs> like it, like it was true what one of the commentators said you know anywhere else on the pitch that's a free kick the referee was looking square at it and I don't know what he was thinking, but he just never gave the penalty. And yeah, we definitely kind of thought it was going to be one of those nights after that. Um, but again, Scotland kept going and it was a lovely dinked ball into the box um, on the 71st minute and Hanley managed to get free of his marker brilliantly and headed the ball past the Austria keeper to make it 1-1. And then we thought, you know, oh, it's 1-1, we've got a little bit of a chance now. It's been all Scotland for the last, what, 15 minutes. We might go on um, and and get a result against Austria, like the three points, which would have gave us a great boost in the qualification for the World Cup. But as usual, you know, we let Austria back into the game um, and it was a cracking uh, second goal for Austria. Beautiful ball into the box. And, you know, Austria's striker is six foot seven. And, you know, when, you, when Austria managed to play the ball into the box, uh, so um, it's such a great, with such great quality, you know, I don't think... Uh, I don't think he was going to miss a header all night if the quality of the, the cross was good, and it was for the second goal. Um, there wasn't a lot Scotland could do about that. And two one, you are thinking, well, here we go again. This we finally got back into the game and we're blown it again. But McGinn scored an absolutely brilliant equaliser. I thought. Um, again, he stayed on side brilliantly. I think an Austria player was trying to come out, uh, but McGinn managed to stay on side and an overhead kick got Scotland the equaliser two two. I think I think two two was probably a fair reflection of the game. Um, and I think Scotland, you know, we love to fight again because I think the next three games coming up. Uh, obviously, we had Austria tonight. We've got Israel away. What a surprise on on Sunday! Sunday. You know, we play yeah. we play Israel every week. It seems um, we've got Austria and Faroe Islands. I kind of thought, you know, if we could come away with seven points for the first three games, that's not a bad start. And you know, having Austria is probably the, t- the toughest task out the out the three games. So to get a point, it's it's. It's maybe disappointing in the sense that it's a home game and we've, we've not won, but you know it's not a disaster either. And McGinn, McGinn's spectacular kick, you know, gave us really a deserved point at hand tonight. And I suppose that
0: uh, I was better than nothing because when, when Austria went 2-1 up, uh, 2-1 in front, and what an amazing goal that was. But you were thinking, you um, there. You were thinking, oh no, I've got to get beat 2-1 or 3-1, but all credit all to Scotland, they come back. But you would rather take a point than no points, can I?
1: Yeah, I mean the result, I mean Israel lost tonight against Denmark So I'm not entirely surprised I think Denmark Denmark and Austria were always the top two seeds in this group Um, And Denmark obviously went to Israel 1-2-0 So, you know, that shows that Israel are there for the taking Obviously, if, if you do go in there and show a bit of quality And I think Scotland have got the beating of Israel Um, Honestly, I think we can go to, to Israel, we can get the win Then obviously we've got the Faroe Islands back at Hampden Park on Wednesday night I can see us coming away, you know, with I can see us coming away with two wins. Touchwood, in the next two games, and that keeps our World Cup uh, qualification on track. Um, because tonight, you know, Austria, again, obviously one of the the best two teams in the group. Scotland didn't look like we were that far off it. You know, I thought, I thought obviously Australia, like I said, if they got the ball in the box, their striker six foot seven. There's not a lot, you know, that the the Scotland defence can do. You know, with Tierney in there, especially isn't the tallest, and you know, I, I think there, there wasn't a lot. That say Hanley could do, for example, um, and that defence when you're up against someone that like O'Donnell, there's not a lot really you can you can do with that. But you know Scotland did huff and puff, like I said, they scored two decent goals. Hanley's goal was was well worth. Uh, McGinn's goal, you know, if, if Brazil or Spain had scored that goal, we'd have been crowing about it. Or if the English had scored that goal, you know, we'd have been crowing about it from now until the end of time. Um, but obviously, it's a Scotland player, so we might have all forgotten about it in the media in the next few weeks. But it was an absolutely beautiful bicycle kick uh, that secured that equaliser. So, and again, uh, oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, no. What I was going to say was um, I don't
1: normally ask you this, but who was your man of the match? Um well I don't want to sound biased because obviously I'm an Aston Villa fan. But I think, you know, when it, when McGinn plays at Aston Villa, he is quite deep. He plays a deep role. Um, and I think a lot of that's obviously because they've got a lot of attacking players around them. So people like Grealish are in there. Um, you've got the three the two wingers and the one striker. So McGinn plays a very backward role um in the def- in the defensive midfielder role with Louise. But You know, for Scotland, he looked a lot he was playing a lot more attacking and he does look better playing in those attacking positions. You know, up until you know the substitution, he was a very attacking midfielder. Then obviously he kind of near enough went up top um towards the end of the game. And the way he can create chances, the way he can run into space, the way he can get into the box, the way I mean it's it's a strange one, but he obviously he sometimes looks like he uses his body mass And he uses his butt to protect the ball I don't know if you've noticed that So he's very difficult to get off it When he gets it You know, he the ball's there He kind of moves in front of it The defenders are trying to get it And he sort of uses his back and his butt To protect the ball um, So I, I do think McGinn is a lot better going forward And he did look like that um, Tonight for Scotland I thought there was a lot of good Scotland performances, I thought, tonight. But I thought McGinn probably just about shaded it. Um, and the goal the goal sealed it for me. Um, it was just a piece of quality that, you know, even though he made it look simple, you know, how many of other players in the park could have done that? You know, not many. Yeah.
0: So. I mean, well, my, my man of the match came from the uh, Premiership as well. But no, ask me that Arsenal, killing Tierney. And I don't know about you, but if you were a Celtic watching that tonight, you would be like that. Why, why,
1: why is he not still at Celtic Park? I mean, you were saying this before, there's a few players on the park. I mean, if you mm-hmm. you, you can look at Tierney. Um, Armstrong. Armstrong. Uh, you wonder why John McGinn was allowed to go to Aston Villa at the time because obviously when McGinn went to Aston Villa, not only were they in the championship, but they were having financial trouble. Um, so the, the fact that Celtic have let some of those players go and on top of that, never got him again is very frustrating. But you know, I thought Tierney had a decent game. I think he's sort of he's sort of moulded himself in that role as left sided centre back of the three. And um, I think he looks quite good for it. I think he's been playing that at Arsenal. Um, he's playing that for Scotland now to great effect. And him and Robertson on the left hand side uh, looking absolutely quality partnership. So no, I think it's you know, yep. you know Robertson Tierney. Um, And who was it? Was it Armstrong on that sort of left-hand side of the park? Are Very very dangerous and of course I think the problem sometimes with Scotland is Dykes does a lot of work round the box But if Scotland can get forward and you do Have a left hand side like if Tierney Can come forward a bit more if Robertson's on There and if Armstrong's on the left You know it's, a, it's similar to, to to The Austrian situation if one of those Three can get quality ball in the box and Dykes will be you know sort of gobbling That up all, the time, all day long But that's the problem for Scotland a lot of the time is A lot of the balls don't go in the box like that Mm-hmm and I think we have to find a way of maybe using Dykes and all his strengths a bit better than what we do because he does do a lot of work, he is industrious, but we need to be able to use him a bit better because, you know, he is a box player, he is tall, he is physical, and we just don't get enough ball in the box from him. And ironically, when he when he goes off, we do start getting the ball in the box a lot, so, so go figure.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it was a good. Uh, was it Tierney? Um, he played a a good ball. Flew to uh, Dike uh, Dikes before he get took off in the second half.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think Dikes. You know, he, he does, he does have a lot of the ball out there, and he does do a lot of work. And I do like him out there, but I think it just takes away a little bit from us. Um, offensively you know and even you know we did score two goals tonight and and that's great but you know offensively we don't create enough chances I think that is our problem and I think Dykes could be used a lot more effectively like I say you know if you have a left-hand side going forward of Tierney Robertson, Armstrong and then another the side you know you've got people like O'Donnell uh, you know you've got people like McGinn you've got Christie on the other side sometimes um there's there's a lot of talent in there and there's a lot of people who can cause a lot of damage. And if you could get dikes in the box a lot more and you could get quality balling, then Scotland could be scoring the type of goals we've seen from Austria tonight, for example. So there's a lot of um there's a there's a lot of good points from tonight. Um Austria are are a tough team, one of the toughest teams in the groups and have not been beaten. So, you know, I think it is it is a good point. Um I think I, I think it was one of the
0: games as well, what you were saying earlier on about um Scotland Gayquise, to each, and you were there, like, maybe, but we we'll, would we'll get maybe help if the fans won tonight to, you know, gear the team up with like what was that five minutes could go
1: in the game? Yeah. I mean we're we're we're, we're kind of at that periphery, I think, now of, you know, we're nearly there. We're just about mm. there. It'll be interesting if if we play maybe a second striker a lot more. Um, how that'll work because I think Dykes up top is going to be the guy, but it's who you play off him a lot of the time, and you know when you've got people like um, I, I don't like saying this because you know he's an ex Birmingham City player, but if you had people like Adams coming off the bench, um, one of my favourite players in Scotland at the moment, Nisbet's on the bench, you know Scotland have a lot of attacking options, and it was a mm. shame you know we had Shea Adams came on, and then just after that you know Dykes was replaced by McGregor, I think it was, um. And, you know, it's it's one of those ones when McGregor came on, I was a bit disappointed because I just thought, you know, keep the two strikers up there. Let's see what we can do. But then mm-hmm. McGregor comes on and it changes the formation again. Um, but I think we could be a lot more attacking. We're t- I think we're a bit, we're cautious. I, I think we're, we're not quite at the level where we believe we can go at teams, but I think tonight shows when we do go at them, we can score goals. You know, we've scored two tonight. I think we're a bit better than we give ourselves credit for. Um and we can maybe move on. The next two games though, I would be expecting because we've got a draw tonight and we've not we've not lost, I would be expecting us really to go on and try and beat um Israel, obviously. Um and obviously the next game Faroe Island. So I, I would be disappointed if we didn't pick up six points from the next three games because that's kind of what we need to stay in the hunt loster and Denmark, because ultimately it's it's those two we're going to be chasing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, as Matthew said, Game Sunday against the Airfield it's uh, Derby, you would say, and uh, Wednesday <laughs> they hit against the Faroe Islands as well, and also the Airfield game, Matthew, it's funny what's not because it's like, a, it's like a Celtic team versus Celtic team and ex-players as well, because you've got Mito on as well, and, and
1: with Iffield, you know, <laughs> Well, if they play as well as they've been playing for Celtic this year, then they've got a chance, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, let's move on, because in case any Celtic fans email us in, <laughs> oh, no, we can't, we're not live. So Maybe that's why we're not live, because Matthew can say what he wants. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll come back to we'll speak about football, because there was big news today about Scott Brown signing a pre-contract for Aberdeen. Uh, but speak about rugby because obviously this the show's gonna out tonight, so that's Friday night. I know that's a bit complicated to understand. But anyway, so Scotland's playing, and uh, the game against France was off a couple of weeks ago because of most of the most of the French squad came down with the coronavirus. And this game, I don't know uh, I said this to you earlier in the week. Uh, I'm surprised this game's going ahead, Matthew, because France is back. Um, it's back down, in another rock
1: down. I mean, I'm a bit annoyed, about that. I mean that. Well, that's a point. But again, I'm a bit annoyed about um, other things. You know, I suppose. You know, first and foremost, you know the the frustrating thing about this is obviously France. A few weeks ago, were at fault. They were seen to be, you know, breaking COVID rules. They were seen to be you know, going against what was necessary to try and keep COVID out of their squad. Um, the game was postponed, um, but it seems to me, you know, the, ga- the game is rearranged at a time that's not favourable to Scotland. And again, the circumstances aren't favourable to Scotland. So, you know, the frustrating thing about this is while there was a bit of good news in the sense that, you know, five English-based players will be selected uh, for Scotland or will be able to be selected for Scotland, Um there's other players that will miss out. So one of the examples, you know, is is Maitland. You know, Maitland, Saracen's winger Maitland won't be able to play because the Premiership, the English Premiership, have decided that only, that for whatever reason, only five of those players can play because of financial implications. So Scotland are losing out on very big players in the squad. And I just don't think it's fair that, you know, France were the perpetrators in this. They're getting away scot-free with it. They're allowed to play all their all their sort of first teamers as such. And Scotland are coming into this in a very tough game at the de France. They're coming into it backs against the wall. And we can't play a full team because of the English Premiership. So I'm not extremely. Ha- I'm not very happy about this. And I think that if I was SRU, I think I would have stood my ground and said, we're not playing this game. Now, yeah, it might have meant that, friend, that France had picked up the points. It may well be that, f- obviously, Wales would have been annoyed because they're in a hunt with France to, to win the Six Nations. But I don't think it's acceptable that France can be the ones that break the rules yet. Not only does Scotland have to then play the game at a later date, but they can't even play a full complement of players because the English Premiership won't allow them to do it. I think it's disgusting Um, And you know While I obviously hope That Scotland pick up the win uh, It's more important than that Because it's almost like You know Fingers up to the Six Nations tournament Mm. Because it's disgusting Really what's happened I mean uh, I think as well Matthew You would probably
0: Know better than me But of all Of all the Of all the years I've been on this earth And it's been a wonderful Earth at times as well Especially (laughs) Where
1: else were you like (laughs) Where where were you
0: before that Michael (laughs) The moon, um, but I've never known a six nations game to be played on a flag night. It's always been, you know, a Saturday or Sunday. And I know that we we spoke about this on the last week show about uh, you know, like Pro 14 being on a a flag night, but I've never known a kind of six nations or any kind of international game to be on a flag night.
1: I, I do feel it's a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, they they experimented with it. I mean, uh, I remember a, a couple of years ago, I think last year they didn't, but a couple of years ago they experimented with Friday night rugby in uh, the Six Nations and it went okay. You know, there were still full houses. Loads of people were looking forward to it after their work and whatnot and it went okay. Um, but, you know, well, I don't think it was the best and I think they probably decided that, you know, it's better to have it on a, on a Saturday or Sunday because, you know, then people can travel to France or they can travel to London or Edinburgh or Rome or wherever. And they can make a weekend of it. Friday's a bit awkward sometimes for travelling and, and watching games. But um, you know, this this game is just it's just, it's just heartbreaking really because Scotland have the chance, you know, if Scotland get a victory, um, you know, like and they managed to win by at least eight points, you know, Scotland would earn the, the best ever finish uh to a six nations tournament since Italy came into it. Mm. So this game is not a nothing game for Scotland. You know Scotland could actually finish second and and you know make a bit of history, but you know everything's against them. You know that like not only the dates been rearranged when they were preparing for last month, you know the the they can't play their first fifteen because the players aren't made available for them, and the whole thing's kind of made up about you know France. Everything's geared towards France winning the title after beating Wales last week, it's all about how many friends France can to win. They need at least four tries to win uh, and won by 21 points or more to beat Wales to the Six Nations. The whole thing is geared up about France, 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 France. Mm. And I guess as a Scotsman, that hurts me because, you know, it's almost like they forget that Scotland's playing. But not only was that task hard enough for Scotland, we've been disabled by the fact that we've lost some of our best players. So, you know, this this really bugs me. And I think the SRU need to show, needed to show a bit of bottle and say, look, we never did this. This was nothing to do with us. We are not playing this game until it suits us. But... You know this or you didn't, be, and for whatever reason. But let's just say if this was England doing this, or if this was mm. Wales, or this was Ireland, even this would not be happening. Uh,
0: and I think you can be biased because this is in your life regular. But I was, uh, but I was going to say as well, Matthew, do you think it's something to do with the uh, the TV companies as well, no?
1: Well, it probably is in the sense that the game's got to be played, and you know there are contracts there, and you know it's better for the Six Nations tournament as a whole for it to be ended as quickly as possible so we can all move on. You know, the British and Irish lines are coming up in June and you know the the European rugby is coming back on stream from, from next weekend um that Edinburgh and Glasgow are going to be participating in. But I think this is just a thing of a point making exercise. You know, I'm mm. fed up with Scotland rolling over and getting our bellies tickled by some of the other nations. You know, if if we if we see ourselves as a top nation, we should not be accepting this garbage from the six nations yeah. uh, and uh, and france to say, well, okay, we'll play whenever you want to play Even if it means we we'll lose our best players but, No, it's not acceptable
0: But I mean, also, I mean, we've spoken about this before In numerous times on the show It doesn't happen in rugby, Matthew It happens in football as well I mean, uh, obviously, it's an, this is an, another debate for another second show But, um, you know, the, the, the football deals as well for, for Sky And, you know um, as you say, I okay then we'll we'll kick off at twelve o'clock or eleven o'clock in the morning. Just just sit the big boys in England and and all that, and that's not right. But um, yeah, I I suppose this is the first time I've seen it happening with rugby, and it's not right in a way.
1: No, it's 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 disgraceful, and I I think you know this could set a bit of a you know president in the sense that. You know what happens if this happens again, and the game is postponed because of weather or or whatnot. You know, is it, is it again going to be the 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 sense that you know we'll just play whenever, and it doesn't matter be, um, who suffers? Mm-hmm. Because you know, okay, okay, if Scotland and Scotland had had COVID cases and we broke regulations in regards to COVID, and the game had been postponed, I might not have been as annoyed because we're at fault and we deserve some sort of punishment. But the fact that it's the French that have done it and the fact that, you know, we are the ones that are are almost getting punished for what's happened in the French camp is what's really sticking in my craw. And, you know, and I really wish the SRU executive had just said, you know, even taking the defeat, you know, it's a principle of the thing. You know, we are not playing this game until we are allowed our full complement of players because we did nothing wrong. But this almost says, well, we're Scotland and even though we did nothing wrong, I don't care. We're just going to make sure we get the game finished and it doesn't matter if we lose regardless. And that's the sort of thing I don't like because Scotland are a big rugby nation. We're one of the best rugby nations in the world. We're one of the most historical rugby nations in the world and we shouldn't be treated like this. I've just
0: got an email from somebody, right? And they say, "Um, I've never heard Matthew in a soapbox before. Can (laughs) Can you tell him to get off it? Um and that was from Tell, your- from last week, <laughs> yeah, 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 from last year. Um, and that was from your wife. Yeah, so thanks for email. Um, your checks in the post or email. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think you're right, and I think maybe we could come back and speak about all these kind of things about because I saw something on Twitter tonight about before the game. Uh, somebody. To a, STV to say, can you tell me why the England game's on STV and why, and why is it England, uh, the Scotland game on Sky? And I've been saying that to you before, Matthew, you know, you know that, that's one of my biggest bugbearers. And I suppose that this is not the show, well, maybe it, it is a show to do it, but if we get independent, that means we will cap on broadcasting rights as well, because they I think STV, uh, they're hands are tied at the moment because they're tied into ITV. Now, the only way that you see Scotland on ITV is when England plays Scotland. Or, you know, uh, because you tell me when the last Scotland game was on STV. Now I'm on my soapbox, Matthew. See what you've got me. You, it's your fault, <laughs> by Yeah, yeah. Uh, let, Let's move on because I'm going
1: to fight with myself. Um, well, uh, would well, you know what? Do you know what? We could actually talk about the game. You know, I like. I've actually forgotten. We may have been mistaken. There is a game at Stade de to France tomorrow. Uh, oh yeah, that's what we were talking tomorrow. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back, <laughs> Scotland game. Um, I mean I mean if you take away All the anger And all the resentment About having to play this game um, You know Yeah I mean <laughs> But I suppose If we look at it Scotland do have a chance Of creating a bit of history You know if we If we do win And we do win well Scotland do find the second Which would be our highest position uh, in the Six Nations tournament since obviously Italy joined the Five Nations And I can say, you know, it's been an interesting Six Nations calendar Because, you know, we started off with that historic win in England And mm. I still don't know how the game was so close We were so dominant over the English It was unbelievable In Scotland for the first time I thought, you know We might actually have a chance of doing something in the Six Nations Maybe not winning it again, but I thought we'd do something And then obviously we played Wales uh, and we, were, we weren't that far off. I think a red card cost us the game. I mean, the thing against England was we didn't convert a lot of our chances that we should have. No. And it was the same against Wales. You know, if, if we created, if we, you know, took our chances and made use of all the possession we had against Wales, we'd have won I that game that as well. I
0: think, I think the game against England, um, if I can. Because my memory is quite bad, um. But I think the the penalty and uh, not the penalty, but the conversions, the the kick for the conversions was a bit poor from Scotland.
1: Yeah, I mean we should have had a lot more. I mean that game. Not only did we miss a lot of chances like that, there, there was a lot of chances we could have got tries that we never converted, and um, there was there was a lot of that. We had a lot of the ball. We had a lot of possession. Um, we just didn't convert And I think Wales was the same We had a lot of the ball We had a, lot, a few chances we didn't convert We didn't create as much chances as we should have Considering the possession we had And then obviously I don't think that was a problem For a lot of the Wales game But the red card changed it you know. And I think the red card just meant that all those Missed chances came back to bite us On the behind a little bit So it was disappointing for the Wales game Um, Ireland though Was one of those games where I thought you know, you know we weren't good enough um Ireland dominated mm. the game from start to finish but again you know we were only three points off that and if it wasn't some bad decision making right at the end Scotland would have came away with a draw so we're kind of there or thereabouts this is the first time with Scotland that you know where the interesting thing tomorrow is we'll see again how far we've come because France are obviously one of the top teams in this in this tournament at the moment they're they're they could win it tomorrow if if they you know if they beat us well enough We'll we'll see where we're at tomorrow and then move on, you know, again to the British and Irish lines and the sit the autumn test. Because I think we're close. We're close to, to having a team that's gonna do something, you know, and tomorrow it will be an interesting because Hogg returns to full back. It's a shame because Maitland's not on the team, but you know, Finn Russell is is back in contention as well. And um and we're kinda you know, the team will be an interesting decision because because of the players we're missing. It'll be interesting to see how we go. But, you know, van der Merwe has been one of the, the players of the tournament. He's still in there. Like I said, Ben Russell's back. Ali Price is at nine. So there's a lot of players that could do a lot of damage um, for Scotland tomorrow. And they've got, France have got their backs up. You know, France have almost been taking the mick out of Scotland this week, you know, with a lot of things on Twitter or almost saying, well, you know, how much will we win by? How are we going to, how much will we win by? Will it mean we win the tournament and, and such like? And Scotland are angry, you know. Scotland are coming into this region. Stuart Hogg was talking about, you know, being very frustrated with the noises coming out of the French camp. So it's good to hear Scotland will be fired up, and fingers crossed that we managed to do something because we're on, I think, we're on the brink of something. It's just whether we can now take it on to the next level or not. So, as one sixth mission
0: finishes, look, the women's sixth missions begin next week, Matthew. I don't know if you saw okay that. Uh, the women's six nations Scotland has been drawn believe it or not against England and Italy in Pool A and they will scat against old enemy England and Doncaster on the 3rd of April that's next weekend and then they play Italy in the 17th of April at Scotskin as well so there you go the, the yeah England I mean it was a shame tournament
1: out. Yeah. Oh definitely. Because you know, I think this this tournament was obviously postponed with COVID um and pushed back a little bit. So now, you know, one Six Nations is finishing and the next one's starting. And I, do you know what? I kinda like the fact that the women's six nations on its own. Because mm-hmm. normally, you know, normally you're almost rugby out. I don't know if you've ever watched the Six Nations, uh, the men's game. And then obviously normally what happens is you've got the underage level Six Nations at the same time and the women's Six Nations on the same weekend. And it's a shame because normally by the time you get to the women's game or the, the kids' game, whatever one it is. Who is last at that weekend? You're all rugby out and you just can't bring yourself to watch it just because you're knackered. Um, so I think this is quite good that it's on its own because we can watch the women's game in isolation from the men's mm-hmm. and enjoy it for what it is rather than thinking it's just a tag along, you know, a, an extra game. So I'm actually quite excited. There's a few, you know, there's uncapped players getting a chance Evie Gallagher's, uh, Shona Campbell, Corinne Grant, Evie Willis will be looking to make their international debuts. Uh, Elizabeth Musgrove um, and Jenny Maxwell are also returning to the squad after after lengthy injuries. So there is a there is a sort of new look to the squad given the international debut debutants and and the players coming back from injury. Uh, Rachel Malcolm's continuing as captain. So they're very much looking forward to the test rugby coming back for the women's game. Um, after what's been well a nightmare after the whole COVID thing, but like I said, there might be light at the end of the tunnel for this for this tournament. And like I said, even though COVID affected it, and you know the women have had to wait a little while longer to get their campaign going, uh, I think it will be better for them in the long run to have a, a standalone tournament because, like I said, I'll watch this and enjoy it a lot more. Uh, instead of having my kids saying, This is the third rugby game you've watched this week, would you just turn it off and watch Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles or whatever they want to watch? Um, so it would be good, good just watching that Well, Michael Angelo is my favourite turtle. Thank uh, you. But yeah. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> but uh, it's... <laughs> it's all right. Dude. You like pizza, don't you? Yeah. Cheese um, <laughs> G- yeah. yeah. and Yeah. Oh, this is some show, by the way. <laughs> Why are we talking Oh yeah, the turtle. Aye, so but, um, yeah. So I think it will be better as a standalone tournament, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, it will be good. And what's like your uh, favourite pizza? Oh, um, <laughs> I I found uh Oh, there's a, a spicy meat feast pizza. That all 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 I need to do now
0: is phone Mary Berry No, um. Maybe. <laughs> um. Yeah. So obviously, in the next few weeks, Matthew will will speak about the the women's Six Nations, uh, Scotland and England and acadie as well. And uh, yeah. So, but it's quite weird how Scotland are playing against England in the first game, and and the, the men's uh, Scotland played England
1: as well in the first game. You know. Well, let's hope it's a similar result as to the one at Twickenham Because, you know, I mean, us as Scottish folk We just love beating English at everything Whether it's uh, rugby or football Or even pizza-making skills Yeah, Hide and seek, yeah, I hide and seek yeah. you know, as long Well, as hide and seek We don't really need to find them, though, Michael Like you're going hide, massive One, <laughs> two, three, four, five Well, okay uh, We're getting out, oh, here, I come Oh, well, you... No. Well, you'd always find that. Well, you'd always find that English fans anyway, because their heads would be too big. Tied. To sorry, oh. that was a joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry for sorry, English Scots, uh, English Scots, <laughs> Scots for yes, there. Uh, g- uh, yeah. Yes, that um, was a joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, or was it a joke? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, <laughs> well done. Um, so, and also there's the rugby. Also, last uh, weekend Pro 14. Uh, did you say it was a it was a final this weekend?
1: Yeah, well there's two dead rib- sort of you know dead rubber games which happen to involve the Scottish teams, would you believe? You know, Glasgow are playing Benetton on the on the Saturday in Glasgow, and on the Sunday in Wales, the Dragons are playing Edinburgh. Um but the final the actual final of it's this weekend, I and mean, would you believe on Sun on Saturday, sorry, it's an all Ireland um final. Nobody will be surprised to hear Leinster are playing Munster at 5 o'clock on, on Saturday So that's the Pro 14 final um, But it's just sad, number one, it's not obviously involving any Scottish teams mm. But there was another bit of bad news for the Scottish teams last weekend Because uh, Edinburgh went down to Cardiff and were and were well, well and truly trounced by Cardiff Blues 34-15 And I think, you know, even though the Cardiff Blues, you know, they came back, they won uh, they sealed the fourth place in the Pro 14 Conference B. That and that kept up the their their push for the Heineken Champions Cup next year. Unfortunately, that defeat for Edinburgh basically meant that their last hope of qualifying themselves for the Heineken Champions Cup was gone. So unfortunately, because it, Edinburgh's defeat against Cardiff, that will now mean that basically the season's over for Edinburgh this year, apart from Europe, and they'll have to play in the Leicester Challenge Cup next year uh, in Europe. So a bit of a disappointing end to the season for Edinburgh. Um, Hopefully they can pick up the win against the Dragons and, you know, hopefully Glasgow can beat Benetton. But a sad result, a sad end to the season. And, you know, apart from the Champions Cup for Edinburgh, um, there's not much much left of the season for them. So it's quite disappointing, but um, we move on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, that's a good point to move on with the show as well. Um, <laughs> well done, Matthew. Um, so um, there was news coming out today about um, in fact, it's a big story for Celtic, but Scottish football oh, in general. I think Matthew, um, Scott Brown, I was on the cargs for. You know, a couple of weeks, a couple of days, but he is leaving Celtic at the end of the season. He signed a pre-contract deal with Aberdeen to join the new Aberdeen manager, Steven Glass. Um, um so he's gonna be a player coach. Um he's in a pre-contract, so that means he'll be leaving Selkic the end of the season after, believe it or not, 14 years at Celtic. Wow. That's a long time. Um, but the only thing I would say about Scott Brown was he's been a good servant to Celtic over the years, but i would just be a pity there's no fans in the sky game at the end of the gate at the end of Celtic's last game at the end of the season.
1: You know, he wish him well. Yeah, I mean, I all those years ago, would you believe it's funny you, you say how many years he's been at Celtic because I actually was at one of his last games for Hibs, if not his last game. Hibs played Celtic at Easter Road um, and Scott Brown was obviously a Hibs player and at that time it had been announced that Scott Brown was moving to Celtic and it was a very strange atmosphere because I don't remember the end result funny enough, but Scott Brown received a standing ovation from both Hibs and Celtic fans, it was a, an amazing amazing occasion at Easter Road it was a very sunny day and Scott Brown scored a screamer that day for Hibs I think it it was a really really good goal. It was in front of the Celtic fans. I'm pretty was sure. It all <laughs> well, it was a screamer. I, I should really YouTube it and maybe people. Well, maybe I've I've added to the greatness of this goal over the years. But I'm pretty sure it was a really really good goal that he scored. Um, and again, even though he scored for for Hibbs, the whole stadium got up and applauded them. It was it was a strange surreal moment. See, um, um, I'm just re- reading here, Matthew He um,
0: joined Hibs
1: from for Celtic and back in 2007. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I think that would have been maybe his last game for Hibs, would have been that one, or near enough. His, maybe it was his last home game, but um, that would have been way back then. And Gordon Strachan picked him up and it'd been announced. And, you know, Hibs fans were quite happy that he not happy that he was going, but, you know, they were pleased for him because he was one of their own, you know, he was, I think there was rumours he was a Rangers fan though, and everybody thought he was going to Rangers, if you think back to that, you know, who was it? Like, was it Scott Allen? There was two players for Hibbs leaving at that, that, that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, right. Yeah. And, and it was meant, the media thought it was the other way going to be round, So everybody thought yeah. Scott Brown was a in for Rangers. Um, But then he came to Celtic and the rest is history. But I suppose the first part of that story was, you know, um, Scott Brown really the uh, you know he's won what 10 Scottish Premiership titles for Celtic was it six Scottish cups six league cups you know there there are you know there there are people who yeah, think that 10 league titles and 12 domestic yeah. yeah so you know the, like you say you know six uh, trophy wise I think he'll obviously go down as one of the best Celtic players and captains of all time. I don't think he was one of the best Celtic players of all time. In fact, I don't think he was close to being one of the best Celtic players of all time. I don't think he would get in my Celtic 11 um, that I've seen in my lifetime all round. But, you know, he was a brilliant captain. Um, He was a really good captain for Celtic. He loved Celtic Um, in the end. He was very successful trophy-wise. Um, he was a very good captain. I think he'll be remembered as one of the greats, and I'm I'm pleased for him in the sense that you know he's not fizzling out at Celtic. He's chosen when to leave. He's chosen the right time to go out on a high. Really, I know this season hasn't been great for him, but he's chosen his exit. He's moving to Aberdeen, and Aberdeen will have a great team next year with the Scott Brown part of it. Um, I think they'll have a brilliant midfield. Next year with Scott Brown as part of that team at Patodre. And, you know, he's going to get a chance to team up with Stephen Glass, like you say, his old teammate from Hibs, Mm. and start his coaching journey. So, you know, fair play to him. He might learn, you know, for all we know, he might learn his trade at Aberdeen, be successful, and then he might end up at Celtic Park again in the future. So, fair play to him. He's been a brilliant servant to Celtic, and I wish him all the best, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, is is it not spooky? Because me and Mav, you do have a meeting to prepare for the show. We don't just turn up and say, "Hey, eh, what we got to talk about the night on the show?" And, You know, <laughs> sometimes they do. I don't know. And anyway, um, and but um, you were saying today that um, Derek McInnes was the longest-serving manager for Aberdeen. Now he's away, so it's giving Jellic. But. Is it not about ironic how um, Dale McInnes is away from Aberdeen, Scott Brown is leaving Celtic and he's been there for 14
1: years to go to Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah, it's a time for change. I mean, <laughs> I mean that all started obviously with Stephen Glass. I mean, he, you know, I, I thought, I mean, I thought that that appointment was the best Aberdeen could make. I mean, I know people are now criticising it a little bit and saying, you know, we're a dis- bit disappointed because, you know, Glass has arrived. But to be fair, I go back to what we were talking about last week. I think getting rid of McInnes was probably very short-sighted on behalf of Aberdeen, I don't understand where they thought they were going to go from there because he's got them trophy he's got them third in the league he got them challenging against Celtic when Rangers weren't in the league he's he's basically hit the glass ceiling for Aberdeen So unless Aberdeen know something, I don't And they're going to start spending money left, right and centre And they've got a secret money tree hiding away I just don't see where Stephen Glass is going to take Aberdeen That McInnes couldn't Well, they, well they've got that American owner now as well Aye, they, they do And again, I just think maybe that's why they they got rid of McInnes Because, you know, Americans aren't known for their patience mm. Um. And I think that's maybe why they've jumped the gun. But, you know, Glass, you know, I don't want to criticise him too much. I think Derek McInnes is a good coach and he's done well for Aberdeen. And I think he should have been given more time. But, you know, on the other hand, Glass has had a pretty good record. He joined Atlanta um, in August 2018 as a coach on the under-17 squad. He was then promoted to head coach Um for the club's sort of initial season in January 2019, before he eventually took over Atlanta United's first team as interim coach in July 2020. Um, So, you know, he has got a track record over Atlanta. Um, You know, they have managed to, I think they won 1-0 over Club America in the 2020 CONCACAF Champions League. So, you know, he does have a successful history of you know in the MLS and for and for um in American football like that you know he's also managed to develop first team players from from the youth setup in Atlanta so he's basically now got experience all the way through the setup from youth under 17 to first team so he, he now maybe is he's been successful at Atlanta United and it's not I'm not saying it's a bad appointment because you know even though I think McKinnon shouldn't have been sacked I do think if they were going to choose someone, then Glass does have a pretty good pedigree in soccer, as Americans would call it over there. Um, and, you know, he does have history at Aberdeen. He, he he began his playing career at Aberdeen and made 110 appearances for them uh, during five seasons. So he knows Aberdeen, he knows the club, he knows the setup. Um He's been in Atlanta, he's been successful there all the way through. He's got experience now that he can maybe pass on to Scott Brown. I think I'm not saying this is a dream team, but I don't think it's a disaster. And I think if they can keep Aberdeen sort of solidly round where they are at the moment, then I think that's a success for for Aberdeen and Stephen Glass. And it would be quite interesting as well when they heard the news about um,
0: if Aberdeen, I can't remember if Aberdeen's in the top six or the bottom six, but if Aberdeen plays against Celtic. Um, in the last game of the season or whatever, and Scott Brown scores a winning goal—that would be some story.
1: <laughs> well, the way Celtic are playing, I wouldn't bet on that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Aberdeen, Aberdeen are, are Scott Brown's a funny one because I, I thought Stephen Glass might go, um, but Scott Brown, you know, is a funny one from from Aberdeen's point of view to be assistant manager. I mean, I think you know, it's not going to improve them on as a as a team really. I don't think too much. Um, because I think Aberdeen will have got a pretty solid midfield as it is. It's one of the positions I think that Aberdeen are quite solid in as the centre of the park. So it will be a good midfield, but I don't think it'll massively improve Aberdeen. So I think Aberde- Aberdeen must have sold something to Scott Brown, mm-hmm. and you know maybe it, maybe it is. The fact that Aberdeen might go on a bit of a spending spree and buy players around them. So it might well be that they get a bit more creative players and maybe a better striker to start putting the ball in the back of the net. Because defensively, Aberdeen are fine. Central midfield, Aberdeen are fine. But, you know, that creativity to make chances, that striker to put the ball in the back of the net, that's what Aberdeen are missing, not a Scott Brown type character. So Scott Brown must have been given assurances when he left Celtic to go to Aberdeen that, um, That they're going to buy some additional players Around them to start trying to score goals And you know get the points On the table because you wouldn't have thought Brown would be happy leaving Celtic And going to a team that was going backwards They must have Mm. sold them a vision Glass must have sold them a vision So he will go there, he will get, get games He will learn his trade but Aberdeen must have sold them Something and you know I think first and foremost you know I think Glass was talking about competing against Celtic and Rangers But the first thing Aberdeen must do is catch up with Hibs first and foremost and use that as a base to then move on to try and compete against Celtic and Rangers because they're not even the third best team in the league at the moment and they're fourth best. So they have to they have to get the players to compete with Hibs first and then move on. Um, and like I said, Scott Brown must have been sold division to that because he wouldn't have went there otherwise because Scott Brown's a winner. The, um, before we move on, I've been waiting to, I've been
0: waiting to... He uh, said this all night, Matthew. When we're speaking about skimming glass and Scott Brown smashing. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and you you were saying as well today, and it's looking even like day by day that Roy Keane is going to be the new manager of Celtic because you were saying that the the bookies has shut the the book basically on people putting bets on who who will be the Celtic manager?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, we were obviously planning for this show. Um, some bookies have now, you know, said, well, we're just going to close it because, you know, Roy Keane is overwhelming favourite to become the Celtic manager. And I think, you know, I think it's a bit of a surprise really because, you know, I, I must admit, I, Roy Keane wasn't up there with my first... Um, choice as Celtic manager in fact I don't think Roy Keane is in the top 10 15 candidates for the Celtic job to be honest I I think that you know I I thought maybe his time had passed Um, but then obviously the rumours started to come out yesterday about Roy Keane being appointed uh, tweets started to come out about him and Nicky Butt possibly becoming a sort of dream team at Celtic Park of head coach and, um, you know, assistant. But then obviously what happened was it took on legs extra because Nicky Butt then left his job at Manchester United. So these rumours were just rumours, but then all of a sudden the pieces started to join. So like I said, Nicky Butt left. So, you know, now Roy Keane is a the favourite. They've suspended bets on him at some bookies. Celtic have had a miserable season. Um... King, you know, has previously played at Celtic And, you know, knows the history of the club And knows what is demanded of, of Celtic uh, players and managers You know, Roy Keane's a winner Like what we're talking about, Scott Brown, he's a winner um, he, he, he knows what what it takes to be a winning team I think what just worries me here again is that You know, the, he, he seems to be a manager that's steeped in the history of You know, Martin O'Neill, uh, Brian Clough Alex Ferguson, that sort of manager, which is fine. In the 1990s and early 2000s, that's exactly what people needed. But I think possibly the game's moved on now. Um, You know, players demand different things. They demand different coaching techniques. If they're playing bad, uh, they need different personalities. Roy Keane... Even when he's doing his TV punditry, suggests that you know if he doesn't get his own way, he's going yeah. to square up to you. He's going to you know grab you by the neck and pin you to the wall. He's going to you know and some things suggest that if you're playing away from home, he'll kick you off the team bus and you know you'll have to walk back to Glasgow. So you know there's there's things like this that are very old fashioned that I would have liked in a Celtic manager away in the past. But now I think I don't think this is the right time for Roy Keane to be Celtic manager. Um, You know, it worries me that it seems to be that Celtic are choosing a man on the basis of who's friends with Dermot Desmond, uh, who's Irish and available. You know, Celtic should be, ultimately, they're a big club. They obviously are wanting to compete in Europe. Celtic should be choosing um, the best man for the job that they can possibly get to help Celtic, not just overtake Rangers, because I don't think that should be the the head thing of what celtic want celtic shouldn't just be trying to win league titles celtic should be pushing on to compete in europe that's the level that a big club with 53 54 55,000 season ticket holders should be pushing that's what they should be doing and instead you know they're they're on the brink of appointing someone you know who fell out with alex ferguson who fell out with um the irish team manager at, um at the world cup who stormed away from that who has been manager of Sunderland and it catastrophically failed there, who's been manager of Ipswich and it failed there, who has been assistant manager with Martin O'Neill at Ireland at Nottingham Forest, and it's kind of failed there. In fact, I think he had to leave Nottingham Forest because the players weren't happy with them all there. And he was at Aston Villa, and he seemed to fail at Aston Villa too. So, you know, if, if, if you were to take away the name Roy Keane and you were to add in just his managerial and assistant managerial record... Would anybody pick him as a manager for Celtic? Mm, no, no, it's
0: about left field. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll watch. We'll, hope, next week when we come back, there'll be another a uh, bit back to the story, or you know. But let let's speak about it before. Well, we... Just quickly, I mean, yeah. I think
1: you know, I think Celtic, you know, Harkin is about to come in from Manchester City as director of football, you know, and I think. He's another Irish guy, just out of coincidence, but you know he's at, he's at Manchester City just now, and he's doing a really good job there with the youth setup and stuff. And I think, I think as a director of football, while he might not be my first choice. I think he is a cool, calculated choice to try and take Celtic on to the next level from a youth setup point of view, and trying to join the youth setup at Celtic into the first team, uh, and also setting up a scouting network. So I think, I think that is a pretty calm choice. And like I said, while it's not a first choice, I think it's a good appointment from Celtic if Harkin comes in from Manchester City. So you've got that side of it. And then you're thinking about, well, who else can you have as manager? And we're thinking about some players that you could, or manager, sorry, that we could have on the continent or at Manchester City's youth, youth set up that could complement Harkin as in that kind of thing. The last person I thought that would be in that hunt would be Roy Keane. Um, because I just can't see how Roy Keane will work in a in a setup that's now verging on a European or top club setup like Manchester mm. City, for example. How can you then square that with? Oh, but we'll have Roy Keane here, who is an old style manager who will want to control everything, who will want to see who the who the players are coming in, who mm. will want to see what his first eleven is. He's just an old style football manager, and there's going. I can just see trouble ahead all over the place. It's almost like Bim Jansen and Jock Brown all over again. Um, yeah, we, we'll watch that with uh, Becky
0: brief as I say. Uh, come up uh, soon, we're going to speak about horse racing before we go tonight. But um, speak about the Scottish Cup, uh, big news this week, hearts getting knocked out. Uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. But the third round draw was made uh, a couple of weeks ago in fact, I think it was before that game, I think. Oh, no, I, it was after the game. Um, we have got Forfa against Eganberthity. Dandy Dundee United against Packet Fizzle. That'll be a good game. Livingston Skin against Rave uh, Rose. Brother Rangers, who will come back. to will speak about in a minute. They play um, Skin Ra. Skinhouse Muir. Nice a well, local game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Skinhouse Muir <laughs> against Kamarok. <laughs> Rangers against Cove Rangers. A difficult game for Rangers there. Um, Rangers, uh, sorry, Falkirk is away to Celtic. Ross County is a Derby game against Inverness. Queen of the South against the High Bees. Uh, that, that means Hibs. Uh, <laughs> Confirm, uh, Dumbarton against Scott Blaine's new team, Aberdeen. Queen, um, East 5 against Morton Hamilton against St Madden. Dundee and they kick so the Dundee against uh, St Johnson, Aird and they against Craig, and for um, Marwell. and yeah so that's the draw for the cup. Oh, but
1: Michael, we should have went halfers on that. I
0: know, I know, I know. I'm too nice.
1: Yeah,
0: I should have Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, the, let's go back to speak about the game on. What was it Tuesday night? Hearts get beat. What, what Was it 2-1 against...
1: I mean, I. yeah, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to rub this into any Hearts fans, but when Michael came on, this was a game I wanted to talk about. Um, I, I mean, I, first of all, I think Stranraer would have been watching this game and thinking, oh, no, because, you know, like Michael just said, or Michael, you just said, um... The that that game for Strenra is a nightmare occasion because how long will it take Strenr to get up to Broder? I know, yeah. That'll be a I'm day's fine. travel. You was it five, five, six, seven hours by bus, and then you have to get maybe a few donkeys or camels to take them yeah. the rest of the way? I mean yeah. it, has, it has that fuel to it. And a boat. Um yeah. And a boat. <laughs> well, hearts sank. Um and a bear, <laughs> Hearts definitely I mean, I think I feel sorry for Hearts because Hearts have obviously had a really tough time um, Over the recent year Really, 12 months since COVID hit um, And they've done well in the league uh, they're, they're about to get promoted again No danger with that Because Hearts do deserve to go up And they're by miles the best team in the championship But, you know, Brorham created one of the, I'd say this was probably one of the biggest shocks in Scottish Cup history would you say, uh, with the Highland League champions knocking out Hearts, I mean if, if, if the headline was Hearts suffered defeat by Rangers, you wouldn't really bat an eyelid, but Brora Rangers um, and you know Hearts had most of the possession um, I thought they I thought they, they bossed the game really like they should have bossed it, I mean I, I didn't think a shock was on the cards, Brora scored uh, to make it 1-0 it took it took Hearts a wee while to get back into the game, but when when equalised on the seventeenth minute, you know we all kind of thought, well, Hearts will push on now, um, and get the win because the the scare is over. But you know, fair play to Brora Uh, five minutes after that, just when you think Hearts are in it again, McLean got the win on the seventy fifth minute, um, and fair play to him. It was a it was a really big shock. Uh, and you know. When nobody really saw it coming, but you know now, now Brora have got a chance to to go on and do well in the cup because Stranraer, after beating Hearts, I don't think Stranraer or anything really to fear for Brora Rangers. Brora Rangers could go far in this tournament, but for Hearts, it's an absolute disaster. And there's rumours of you know on Saturday the the protests. Um and Tynemouth Stadium to get to get I think not only you know to get the manager out but I think you know Anne Budge is in trouble there too her appointments over the last few years you kind of talked about it before you know talking about you know her appointments as manager then you know um director of football there it it, it seems to be one bad appointment after the other and while obviously I think you know people should be given time at Hearts because I think really the, the championship. Uh, getting promoted from the championship might give them a chance to to push on, and I do think I do think that Hearts have the basis of a good squad. Mm. Hearts, Hearts fans are getting restless with all these disappointments. Um, they are getting disappointed with all the bad results in the league. They are getting disappointment, disappointed with all the bad performances that don't look like changing. And unless you know Hearts change, um, you know if this team was to be the one that goes up and get promoted, at this rate they'll be coming straight back down again. So Hearts want want budge to know. And no uncertain terms that this won't be tolerated at Tynecastle anymore because they're a massive club. They're the third biggest club, I would say, in this country. And for them to be languishing in the championship, squeaking by in the title race, and then to be absolutely embarrassed by Brewer Rangers is just not good enough.
0: Couple minutes left on the show and uh sitting in horse racing, Matthew. Dubai there, we need to say Dubai but we'll be back next week on in Live very have a good weekend Cheers